0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Hi, Dr. Ray. I love your show. Let me show you what it looks like to be a holy person, and maybe you'll want to be holy like me.
2: You just patted yourself
1: on the back. You seem like an honest guy. But you're a psychologist. Do you have some advice? I
0: don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my second favorite Italian person. I think you have a way of
1: making people feel relaxed. She needs to feel the consequences of being a jerk.
0: You know, I was looking for a deeper answer.
1: Obviously, I'm a failure. Obviously, I'm inept. You are
0: awesome. Keep up the good fight, my friend. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray.
1: I'm getting a little tired of the lack of respect that I've been getting. You know, I uh, went through nine years of college, get a doctorate. People say, so what? They handle those things out. Pieces of paper, that's all they are. Yeah, well, you know what I had to do to get my doctorate in psychology? Here was the test. Based upon your knowledge of their works, evaluate. The emotional stability, degree of adjustment, and repressed frustrations of each of the following. Ramses II, Gregory of Nyssa, Hammurabi, Freud, Hitler, and Edie Amin. Support your evaluation with quotations from each man's work, making appropriate references it is not necessary to translate. Now, I made the mistake because my first year I was in engineering. So this was what they said for engineering Ph.D., the disassembled parts of a high-powered rifle have been placed on your desk. You will also find an instruction manual printed in Swahili. In 10 minutes a hungry Bengal tiger will be admitted to your room. Take whatever action you feel is appropriate. Be prepared to justify your decision." So as you see, my education, Mr. Ziegler was not a cakewalk. Good to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi here. The program, the doctor is in, as always. This is the variant. I used to say version. It's now variant. By Speaking of variant, I saw this was a report. I forget from exactly where. It was a reputable place that pretty much everybody now in the U.S. has antibodies to COVID. You would expect that, would you not? But anyway, now where is where is this? I was looking at this. I was going to. This was going to be my my monologue here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We we label kids with a lot of personality labels that are false. One of the more common ones is he's an angry child. Parents will come to my office sometimes. That's the main referral. Why are you here? Our son's just angry. Well, how old is he? Eight. So you have an angry eight-year-old. Sometimes you get an angry three-year-old, an angry four-year-old. I ask him a question. If you gave him everything he wanted, every time he wanted it, would he still be angry? Oh, no. No, he he wouldn't be angry. We wouldn't we wouldn't see that. So, is it safe to say that what you're dealing with is not anger, because the anger sounds like it's some kind of temperamental characteristic. He just he's just trip switch. It's the way his kid is. He's wired to be angry, or is it more accurate to say he gets frustrated when he doesn't get his way? Now, see, that's much more common, and it doesn't bespeak of a temperamental characteristic. If you have an angry child, what are you going to do about this? You know, something in this kid's wiring is making him this way. What are you going to do? But it's much more amenable to correction if he's frustrated. Parents will say that their three-year-old is an angry child. How can I, you know... I have rarely seen an angry three-year-old. I don't see three-year-olds that I look at and think, Whoa, this kid's angry at the whole world. This kid's just angry at life. This kid is angry at the fact that he's only getting $22 a week for an allowance. This kid's just angry. No, you don't. Three-year-olds are not naturally angry. They are naturally fitful. They are naturally erupting. They do those things because they got no self-control. And they can look angry. See, what we do is we extrapolate. If I, as a grown-up, acted like that, that's anger. But this three-year-old's throwing himself on the floor and kicking something over, that must be anger too. No, no, that's a three-year-old that's frustrated. He's finding out the world isn't rotating the way he wants it to rotate. So I would say about 90 to 95 percent of the people who come into my office talking about an angry child, especially under age 10 or 12, the kids that is, not the parents, don't have an angry child. They got a kid, and as we explore it, and as I probe, that's psychology talk, we probe. We don't ask, we we probe. Sounds much more deep, doesn't it? Psychologically speaking. As we probe into their approach to this child when he gets frustrated, we find that much of the time they're not firm enough. They're not calm enough. They're not consistent enough. And so what happens is he knows if he pushes harder, he gets what he wants. Or at least he can create enough chaos to get what he wants sometimes. And that breeds... An element of frustration when I don't get what I want. A parent will say to me, you know, you'd think he gets what he wants 90% of the time. You'd think he'd be able to deal with the 10% that he doesn't get what he wants. I said, no, it's the other way around. The more you get what you want, the less able you are to accept when you don't get what you want. If I spoil you 99% of the time. And 1% of the time, I deny what you want. That 1% of the time is going to meet an eruption. If you only get what you want 50% of the time. I'll give you a, a life example. My parents grew up in the Depression. whole country was depressed, laying on the couch, eating bonbons. People would say, you're a fine country. You're a nice country. Other countries like you. Why are you so depressed? Well, my mom didn't have much. She's very poor. So was my dad. They were poor. They didn't know they were poor. They just thought that's the way it was. That's the way you live. They didn't go, we're poor. But by today's standards, they would be extremely poor. But they didn't get what they wanted most of the time. So they got used to that. But when you get what you want most of the time, you don't get used to when you don't get what you want and you look angry. But it's not anger. It's frustration. That's a better way to look at it because it's more realistic. It's also more fixable. All right. When we come back, I will dive into these e-persons. I'm Dr. Ray, and I thank you so very much for joining me. (coughs)
2: What's the deal with Dr. Ray? I mean, is he a psychologist or a comedian?
1: He is only one of four popes honored as the Great.
2: Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church.
1: St. Leo I was pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461.
2: For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Gerindy here.
1: You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right. Pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids. Trust me on this one. Go with Seaton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten
3: in part by the following nonprofit.
0: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus Solidarity Health Share can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families.
1: Call to see how much you can save. 844 398 9399. That's 844 398 9399. to have you with me All right one more PhD this is difficult closely related to psychology and I, I didn't minor in this um, but I, I I had courses in it with sociology. This was the uh, test for getting your PhD in sociology. Estimate the sociological problems that might accompany, the end of the world construct an experiment to test your theory use charts if appropriate I did minor in philosophy philosophy is one of those minors that will mess up your head for the rest of your life sitting in class listening to my professor I didn't think to myself there is a person up there writing on a board giving us some information while we sit here at these tables. No, you don't think that when you're in philosophy. You start to wonder, can I trust my senses? Am I in some type of parallel sensate universe? Have I degenerated into solipsism? How can I know? That's what happens. It's just, it's just Philosophy is something that messes your head up for the rest of your life. All right, enough of those uh, PhDs. Let's go to our first e-person. Guess what? Now, by the way, that, that usually, my little kids used to do that. Dad, guess what? And then I'd say, I don't know what. Guess what? Now, when you can guess basically the whole world and of... No limit to the possible combinations of events that you could guess, but they they say guess what they just they keep going because they want you to guess so what I would do is I'd make some wild guess I'd make some bizarre guess there's a rhinoceros in our garage oh come on Dad, make it a good guess well this was this was sweet for mom here but but she's got a bit of a shell shocking problem. She says, guess what, we just found out that our 17-year-old son is having relations with his girlfriend, who is 15. He doesn't care about the legality of it because, let's face it, they don't enforce the laws unless the girl or her parents press charges. He has also decided he does not believe in God at all. Now, I often find it fascinating when you get a kid that age who decides that the whole God question is no longer one he even wants to think about. He has decided. Which is a way of saying, I declare. I declare there is no God. So the first thing I want to know with a kid that age is, how would you come to that conclusion? What is it that you have decided that God does not exist? And then I would... I do one of two things. One, I'd ask him. I'd, I'll take the gentle approach first. I would ask him. I've got some things I want you to read, and there's some easy books: the Case for Christ, the Case for Faith, all kinds of all kinds of easy to read, nice defenses that make a make a pretty good case that God does exist and that Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, that's really I think the most potent evidence that God exists, because Jesus was a historical individual that you can look at and decide who is he. He is also rebelling against our values by blaming the church for them all. Which came first here, the chicken or the egg, to use a cliche? In other words, did he want to have relations with his girlfriend? Therefore, he didn't want to have moral compunctions so he decided well i don't have to worry about moral compunctions because there's no god and the church and my parents ideas are way off so therefore i can pretty much do what i want because that's what i want to do anyway i don't want to feel guilty i don't want to feel bad etc so for him theology of the body and reasoning and that sort of talk is useless what i have decided now this is mom speaking If he thinks he is old enough to have relations, then he is old enough to talk openly and candidly about relations. I'm getting a little nervous right now. I think parents need to be empowered with this statement, as so many of them don't feel comfortable being open about this issue. I agree with you on that. All right, I do agree with you that many parents don't want to approach this, especially as it's happening. I will be discussing with my son the emotional aspects and especially how it affects girls the physiological changes reduce oxytocin and reduce bonding with each new partner the future for this poor girl is she now will likely have relations with future boyfriends and the likelihood of an unwanted pregnancy is almost guaranteed if she starts to be active at this young age all right, let me stop right there all of that is appropriate all of that could be helpful the chances are very low because it's going up against a primal urge and it's going up against a young man who doesn't see anything wrong with what they're doing at least according to how he's presenting it to his mother so those are all Good things and they would do well to be said but to expect them to then get him to rethink what he's doing I believe the odds of that are long okay so let's just lay that aside for a moment the girl's mother has placed her on birth control mm-hmm that tells you a lot A lot you might want to bring up to your son since she's been placed on birth control that he may not be the only one or the first one now that might shake him up a little bit it also means that the girl is probably being raised very differently than you would like to raise your son which means that there will probably be a whole bunch of other areas where she will give him ideas that will turn him away from the ideas that you've tried to raise him with I will print out information for them, meaning the parents, about the nearly 30% increase risk of breast cancer for girls using hormonal birth control, because this information is not made widely available. I will be approaching this situation from the aspect of him thinking of her future, and that if he cares about her like he thinks he does, he will care about her life after him. Well, see, now there's the problem, Mom. Uh, at this point, he probably thinks there isn't any romantic life after him because he's it. They're it. You might want to ask him that. You might want to say, well, you know, is this just kind of a temporary thing here, son? Or, in fact, you guys thinking long range. I guarantee you he's going to say we're thinking long range. Uh, he will care about her life after him not just in this moment he's obviously not serious enough for a life-kind commitment to her at his age which even he admits i wonder doctor Ray, if you could address this issue of teenage relations on your show well we've definitely dealt with it many times particularly in the arena of those children who are rebelling against both parents and god and are influenced by the culture and peer pressure that's true it's a it's massive influence massive If you want a statistic that will shake you up, a recent survey said the percentage of people who enter marriage as virgins is 3%. Another survey said that 86% of those surveyed, and I really don't know who they were, believe that living together before marriage is fine, even though it dramatically increases the divorce rate if you get married. So, what I'd like to say here, Mom, is that your approach in talking this through with your son is one element. If you're expecting that we'll make any difference in his relations with this girl, I think you'll be disappointed. I could be wrong, but I think you'll be disappointed. And I don't base this upon your individual circumstances, I base it on what they call baseline prediction. Baseline prediction means you have a sample of people in similar situations and what they do. If 86% of them don't respond to the parent's explanation and you predict there's an 86% chance that in this particular situation he's not going to respond to the parent's information Then you're going to be right 86% of the time, roughly. Now, I think you're going to be faced with a decision after this. What are you going to do about him having relationships, relations with this girl? Are you going to say you can't be alone together? She can come here under our supervision, but you can no longer go pick her up, you can no longer go out places. You can't do that because what you're doing as I have explained is harmful in all these ways see mom if it is harmful in all the ways that you explain then why would you not say okay I can't let you harm yourself or her I have to stop you because and this relates to something I've talked about frequently we as parents are becoming more and more afraid we're afraid of our child's reactions when we stop them from doing self-defeating, destructive behavior. The other thing I would do is I would definitely meet with her mother or her parents and say, this has come to my attention that this is happening. How would you like to approach this? Now, again, you might say, well, I, will. I don't want to open up that can of worms. But if the mother has the girl on birth control, then you probably can assume, unless, unless this is for medicinal reasons, that mother suspects she would be active. I think you are very well predisposed to tell him, even though the law might not pursue this, even though you don't think her parents could pursue this, They could. So, therefore, I'm not going to allow you to do something that is illegal and can get you in serious trouble. I had a friend whose son spent time in jail because he had relations with a 15 year old. He didn't know she was 15, he thought she was older. Someone in authority decided, no good, and in fact, he got convicted. So that, if nothing else, Mom, is reason for you to say, I can't let you do this anymore, should you decide to go that route. If you know a child is doing something that is harmful to them, And to someone else. Right now. And has the potential to be seriously much more harmful. Should they continue? Then as a parent, what do you do? Do you say, well, I hope they listen to reason? Or do you say, I have to do what I have to do to stop this? She is... Fifteen. I would also wonder, even though her mother has her on birth control, if mom knows that she's active and what mom's reaction would be upon finding out.
3: Why does the Catholic Church value virginity? At the heart and center of all Christian life is Christ the Lord. The Catechism tells us that our bond with Christ takes precedence over all bonds, familial or social. From the Church's very beginning, there have been men and women who have forsaken marriage to follow the Lamb wherever He leads them. Christ Himself has invited certain persons to follow Him in this way of life for which He remains the model— Virginity for the sake of the kingdom is an unfolding of baptismal grace, a powerful sign of the supremacy of a person's bond with Christ. It is also a sign that this bond recalls that marriage is a reality of this present age which is passing away. St. John Christendom puts it well, the most excellent good is something even better than what is admitted to be good. Good. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
2: Dr. Ray
1: Garendi. When I've
3: had enough.
1: I ask parents, when do you decide to discipline, one of the most common answers is, when I've had enough. If discipline is designed to teach, then we need to discipline before we've had enough. We need to discipline because the behavior's wrong, not because emotionally it's pushed us to our edge. Besides, when you get to when you've had enough, you're much more likely to yell and scream and say things that you have to go to confession for. So, the suggestion is discipline out of principle, not emotion. Principle means because it needs discipline and I'm gonna do it when I'm calm. Emotion means I'm going to be moved to do it just
0: because I'm mad.
1: one here come what related I suspect that my son age 14 is smoking away from home he denies this well, how do you suspect it mom you suspect it because you smell it you suspect it because who he's hanging around with how do you suspect it no one in our family smokes we've made it clear how we feel about the issue I'm not sure how to approach this any further if at all once again. This is an example of a teen, typically, doing things that are harmful to them. And they don't see any harm in it. And they'll do it when they're out of your sight. So the question becomes, are they trustworthy enough to have the freedom you're giving them? You say, okay, but he goes to school. Got it. Likely that he's smoking at school or sometime after school with buddies. Or does he go to football games or basketball games or sporting events with his buddies by himself? Where's he gone? What's he doing? So the question that you wrestle with is, do I trust him? If you say, I... I don't wanna be I don't wanna be hovering over him, which you're not really hovering over him, because you're basically saying your social movement is dependent upon when I think I can trust you with this. I don't know what the statistics are on 14 year olds who start smoking and remain smoking somehow, some way as adults. I don't know. I do know that of adults who smoke Most started as teenagers shows you the addictive power of nicotine and the additives So the question becomes for you as a parent How do I reduce his opportunity to do this? Now given that he says I don't You're likely to experience some high dudgeon, some incense at the fact that you are restricting some of his movement on the basis of nothing. He's told you I don't do this. So I guess it comes down to how confident are you in your conclusion that he's doing this? I mean, if you're if you're smelling smoke on his clothes, that's pretty confident. Of course, he could say, no, I was around guys who smoke, but I don't. You could eliminate his money supply. Could do that. Now he'll have to bum them. Which at some level means he can only bum a few. He can't have a whole pack. You might also ask who he's hanging with, because 14-year-old's behavior is highly influenced by who they're hanging with. Highly. So what do you know? What do you know about the kids he's hanging with? And you might extrapolate this a, a shade further. If he's smoking with a bunch of his buddies, let me digress for a moment. There are many of you... Older, listening thinking why oh, come on I did tell when I was a kid you know that's it just kind of a <clears throat> back then it was a rite of passage you know you kind of snuck away and took a couple of drags true true um, but I think it's safe to say that the general level of sneakiness and acting up of kids two generations ago three generations ago was much lower much lower now um, smoking can be just one part of what his friends are doing want to do attitudes they have about everything so it does need to be explored you can tell him I don't have hard evidence but let me tell you why I think this is so and I want you to know I'm gonna keep a very close eye on all this And I think if in fact this doesn't stop to my satisfaction, now the danger in in explaining it that way is that he'll just say, okay, I'll just be more careful. You know, I'll I'll take my shirt off before I smoke so you don't smell a smoke on my shirt, whatever. Then you will tell him that that his movement as a 14-year-old will be restricted. I had... uh, six or seven kids at one point in my home, my children, who were all teenagers. Uh, The age span between my oldest and my youngest was 12 years. The 10 kids, 12 years. So at that point, we had six or seven teens. Now, I know that teens like to do things secretively away from their parents eye and earshot creates a sense of freedom and if they view their parents rules as unreasonable which I, my guess would be that your son's view of your stance on smoking is is kind of unreasonable it's not that bad mom then he thinks he's perfectly justified in doing this so he doesn't see anything wrong with it now with my kids one of the rules I operated out of is that if I think you're doing something that hurts you I then reassess dramatically your level of movement your time away from my eye and earshot I have to your freedom depends upon your trustworthiness it does not depend upon your age it does not depend upon group freedom now do I brace myself for the sense that they're being grossly treated unfairly
0: yeah I
1: I can't expect them to say well father I know you're doing just this for my welfare and since I can't control myself I'm so happy that I have you as a parent who can control me Yeah, right. That may be thought 10 years down the road. So glad I had a parent who did control me, but at the moment, no. No, you have to act as a parent against what the kids want. And you have to be willing, especially in this culture. This is not a culture who thinks like you. It isn't. 60 years ago in this culture, you had many, many more people on the same parenting wavelength than now and you did not deal with the shaping influences that are out there like now so as a result when you had rules your kids didn't like them but they didn't get resentful because they thought how did I get stuck with this Neanderthal but you still have to have the same strength of resolve as a parent thanks for joining me This is Dr. Rick.
0: In Christ, we suffer, but it's a suffering that can bear much fruit. Our God can bring good out of the suffering caused by evil. God permits evil and from the suffering caused by evil, he creates a reality greater than that which could have existed without the possibility of evil entering human experience. In Christ, suffering is fruitful. Those members of the body of Christ who are fruitless are removed. It's dead wood and that's suffering. But even those members of the body of Christ who are fruitful are pruned, they're trimmed, daddy squeezes and sometimes spanks in order that we would be more fruitful jesus again says by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples
2: cresta in the afternoon weekdays at 4 eastern on ewtn radio
3: 60 on 10 with monsignor charles pope the sixth commandment you shall not commit adultery. This
0: commandment is wide-ranging in its implications. It forbids us not only from committing the very act of adultery, but also other sexual sins such as fornication, premarital sex, watching pornography, and speaking lewdly. Likewise homosexual acts and acts of masturbation are also forbidden us, and the Lord himself even enjoins us to a purity of mind that we should not freely entertain lustful thoughts. So it's wide-ranging, it's challenging, but it's in service of the great sacredness of human life which comes from sexual activity. So we thank God for this great gift of sexuality and we ask for His grace to live it with great reverence. The Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery.
3: For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com.
0: The doctor is in. Now, don't you feel better?
3: You're absolutely right. I just needed confirmation.
1: Thank you for joining me. Dr. Ray Grandy here. This is the E-person variant of The Doctor Who's In. We air this typically on Mondays, although every so often we do have a Q&A on Monday. We have three sons, all of whom are homeschooled. They are close brothers, and they get along rather well with each other. Nine, ten, They used to go to the library, to kids' events, but not so much now. Here's my question. Should I be concerned that their friends, and he's got that in quotes, are each other? I've got to stop right there. With the onslaught of all the experts the past 50, 60 years, all telling you to look out for hidden psychological ramifications it has made parents endlessly worry about endlessly matter endless matters the question is for dad should they have friends other than their siblings they're homeschooled so they don't necessarily get out into the public school world or the private school world? Is this deleterious? He said, and this this confirms what I had just said. I had seen a reference to the importance of friends for teens, and so I am concerned. Now, ponder this a second. Here are parents who homeschool their children. My guess would be that if I were to ask them, how are your kids doing? Oh, they're doing fine. They're doing fine. They get along with each other. Their mood's good. We have a nice family life. They're doing fine. But you see the, the unspoken, at least before now, worry. Am I missing something? When I wrote my first book way, way back, 1907, it's titled You're a Better Parent Than You Think. And that book was written because I was in a mental health center at the time, and I was just shocked at parents coming in with all kinds of worries and concerns that were beyond what you might call Typical concerns of parents they were they were psychological concerns what 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 could I be doing psychologically wrong that I'm not aware of or that I'm deficient in the oldest has no desire for other friends he's close to his confirmation sponsors a woman in her late 60s or so he says he'll wait until he goes to Franciscan University for other friends Okay, take him at his word. I don't have that much desire for friends. The question is not, do children need friends to be ultimately well-adjusted? The question is, what effect on the kids who might want some things and not get them? And even at that, that's still a vague question. So the oldest is saying, yeah, I really, I really, I'm fine. Dad, I'm fine. Okay, is he? Well, he seems it, but who knows? You know, I read that article that said he needs friends and maybe he doesn't even realize he needs friends. Sometimes you gotta take what the kids tell you at their word. And this, I think, confirms. We have striven to protect them from the surrounding culture that's true that's probably the number one reason why parents homeschool they want to slow down the pace of the children becoming worldly children are going to become worldly at much earlier ages than ever before because the forces that can shape them can come into the house easily and furthermore many of the children that they do hang around with in various places are being socialized very differently much more according to the pace of the world Old folks are parents are saying, look, we were homeschooling them. I want to have a good relationship with them. Now keep in mind, this is a nine and a ten year old, these are little kids. He says they're rather good kids. They eagerly serve at the altar at daily mass. And it's their idea. I had a mom that I use as an example in that first book, You're a Better Parent Than You Think. There was a chapter that I had called, Is My Child Normal? I talked about how parents are hypervigilant to the fact that their children might fall outside of an appropriate psychological range for adjustment. She had a 14-year-old. She said, he's pleasant. He isn't disrespectful at all. He's helpful around the house. Or she was a single mom. She's helpful. He's helpful around the house. He's a joy in my life. And then she said, Am I missing something? And I asked, How's, how's that? Well, everything I've read said that adolescents can get surly and difficult and moody And the hormones are surging um, and he's not like that is it is it possible he's just stifling it so you see when she has this sweet kid who's cooperative and pleasant she still found a way to worry something could be wrong my response to dad here Is that you look at the picture the picture is they like each other we got a great family they love their faith Uh, their best friends are their brothers cool you know in much of human history children did not have a wide circle of friends and the reason for that is they didn't have group education Not everybody went to an environment where there were 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 90 and 100 and 600 others their age. They didn't do that. Their predominant socialization and connection was family. But, Dr. A, families were bigger then. Yeah, but they still weren't a class size of 26. Dad goes on. The oldest is also very much too talkative particularly about his subject of nasa and spacex he doesn't stop unless we insist okay so insist (laughs) so i'm concerned about that too once again this talkative kid he's got a passion and some interest he doesn't know when to turn it off so the parents say hey you're getting carried away son you're interrupting that's enough should these things per se be concerning you see what I mean so much of raising kids is that they present us with all kinds of characteristics all kinds of habits all kinds of perspectives all kinds of life views all kinds of circumstances all kinds of decisions and we as parents respond to them in many ways but we don't leave it at that we always ask what am I missing What a tormenting black cloud to hang over parents. I talked about that in You're a Better Parent Too. I talked about if I wanted to create a set of ideas that could torment parents, I couldn't do much better than to say, In your parenting, if you get too far off of psychological normalcy, your child is going to react and and you can't always know because it's buried down inside their little psyche and it's going to percolate, and it'll pop up six years from now, and you'll hear about it, and you'll be told this is what you did, this is what you missed, this is the way I was, this is what you didn't pick up on. Wow, I knew as a parent, if I'm going to enjoy my kids. I'm going to pray and make the best judgments I can make as a parent, knowing full well I can't predict the outcome much of the time. But I have to make the decision on what I as the grown-up think is the best decision in this case, knowing full well that my kids may wildly disagree. And all I can do is stick to my guns and give them all the love and affection I can give them so that they see that their old man is not just being a tyrant dictator, but in fact, he shows them he loves them, but he also makes decisions that he believes are in their welfare. And I don't worry about unseen psychological effects. My most recent book is taught by 10 and I talked about what I learned about raising my own kids and I said one of the things I really learned is I don't over-psychologize and that's something that sounds weird coming from a psychologist doesn't it but I learned that I learned if I'm going to enjoy my kids if I'm going to love my kids if I'm going to have the smoothest parenting experience I'm not going to over-analyze and overinterpret. weird coming from a shrink I'm Dr. Ray
0: we'll be back. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
2: Do you have a bad temper? I'm Chuck Gatica and this is Journey Strong. From the Old to the New Testament, Scripture speaks about us controlling our anger. Proverbs states that those of us with a hasty temper will make mistakes. We also know anger issues can lead to health issues. We can cause a fight, lose a friend, or witness to others in ways that are unproductive. Mayo Clinic suggests some ways to manage our anger and dial down the temperature of our anger. Practice deep breathing, maybe a personal timeout. Think before speaking. Calm down before discussing a concern. This will lead to less stress. Identify solutions and present them calmly. Try using humor or laugh at yourself. Humor can be a great diffuser. Most of all, if you have persistent anger issues at work or at home, don't be afraid to seek help. For more details on managing anger, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. This
0: program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of the doctor is in. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst.
0: We did not come here as enemies. We came only with friendly intentions to talk, to ask your aid.
1: Thank you for joining me. Dr. into here. By the way, good Lord permitting, coming up rather rapidly on August. Let me double check my dates. I don't want to give you the wrong date here. August, I believe, yes, August 9th and 10th. Uh, we will, good Lord permitting, be in Columbus, Dominican University. Uh, St. Gabriel, radio station in Columbus, our biggest city in Ohio. We'll be doing four tapings of Living Right with Dr. Ray, season number 13. it be the first shows of season number 13. Love the live audience. They ask questions. They take part in the bits. And, of course, you don't have to, but you're there, and we welcome you, and you, in my opinion, Adds so much energy to the show. If you wish to bring your kids, bring them. Sometimes we'll get a Catholic family comes in there with eight kids and they take up the whole row. It's tremendous. Sometimes I have fun with the kids too. So if you go to St. Gabriel Radio, that's com, you can sign up. They're already pushing it and they've already told me they've got a fair number of folks signing up. So that's really kind of cool. Uh, there's no limit to the number. The shows are in the evening. You can come to one, you can come to two, you can come to both nights. A lot of times what happens is people come to the first one, which is usually around 5, 5.30, somewhere in there. And they'll stay. They didn't plan on staying, but they'll stay because they had a lot of fun. Well, I'm getting pretty close to the end. I remember back when I first started at the Mental Health Center in Columbiana County, Ohio. I just, just not even gotten my... License yet. I was um, a PhD, but no license. And I became, for whatever the reason, I became the go to parenting guy, which set the trend. And one of the things I noticed was that very pervasive fear of psychological mistakes. Not Mistakes like I lose my temper, or mistakes like I yelled at you, or mistakes like I'm inconsistent. No, no, no. It's unseen psychological mistakes. What am I doing that could have long-term repercussions that I can't know about? That's frightening. That's really frightening. And I dealt with so many parents that I... Rather than giving them some kind of parenting guidance, I had to get them over their fears first. It's happening. It's happening even more so now than it was back then. Thanks for joining me here on the Doctor's in on this E Person Monday with my producer man Andrew Kruczek and Ave Maria Radio Communications and and EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Walk with God. That's not a psychological mistake.
0: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.